This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins a national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated. A no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere and always home of the free maintenance for life. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas-owned, Arkansas-operated. GoPascal.com. It's a beautiful day to be alive today. It's a beautiful day to be a Razorback fan, and it's great to be talking sports with our fantastic listeners and my guys in studio. Good morning, Matt Jones. Good morning, Christian Johnston. How's it going today? Good morning. It's going a lot better than it was about an hour or two ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad things are uh, all in working order. Uh, otherwise, I don't know what I would do with myself today. I don't need another three-day weekend. I'm ready for another five-day work week. Matt Jones, how about you? Yes, sir. Got up, got the got the loops in this morning. Uh, great day to have a radio show. You're exactly right. Uh, great day to be a Razorback sports fan, sports fan in general. A lot of good things going on in, in the world of sports. Uh, should be a fun three hours, Phil. I uh, I always uh, I can you don't even need to tell me that you've done your loops. I can kind of tell by the hop in your voice. You know what I mean? Fair enough. I can tell you. I can tell you had your uh, your morning exercise today. Yeah. How How is everybody else doing out there? I feel like celebrating for a moment. Is that all right to do? And this has nothing to do with the game from the weekend or anything like that. Because our very good friend, our member of the family, mm-hmm. ESPN Arkansas and HitThatLine.com, Matthew Travis, is uh, now hitched officially uh, to his uh, lovely lady, Connie. Happened yesterday in New Orleans. And I mean, I don't even know what to say other than I'm smiling I'm smiling he was, ear to ear for him. Phil, working in the last couple of weeks in him, uh, in here with him, he was glowing. He he was. You could see how just how how he was. And I know you've been around him a lot lot longer. I've been working with him in Little Rock, and then working with him again here. He's he's a joy to work with. But man, he you could just see it on his face how happy and excited he was. So you can't help but love it for the kid. You know. I know. I know. I'm I'm uh, floored of happiness uh, for uh, for Maddie. I, I couldn't help but think about those. Those uh, few hours leading to the actual wedding, you know, which wasn't like a big deal wedding for the two of them. It was like a destination wedding in which it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. That's what Mike Leach said, right? He said, go elope. Yeah. So he just, he just listened. He's coachable. Why add pressure? Exactly. To a, to a situation that doesn't necessarily need pressure. I saw this movie on Prime Video the other day uh, that stars Josh Duhamel and Jennifer Lopez about a destination wedding that turns into a uh, uh, essentially like a, you know a kidnapping of the entire uh, of the entire wedding party, and you can tell it's like these people have put way too much pressure on themselves for everything to be perfect. So go do it. Hey, look, I don't mean here to like sit here and tell people how to do your wedding, <clears throat> but if you want to take the pressure away. I think the way that Maddie and Connie decided to do it is uh, at, le- at least it works for the two of them. It's, it's pretty cool. They're, they're going to have a great experience. Phil, I've never been on a cruise before. Uh, Me neither. I, yeah, I was wondering if you had. I'd, I didn't. Christian, you've been on a cruise before? Yeah, I was real little, but, uh, you know, it's. I'm sure it's a lot more fun, a lot different when you're older and you go on one, get to relax, you know, get some alcohol. Yeah, yeah, do some Christian, jets, was it some a little, excursions. Was it, a little, 
was it a little cruise in terms of the uh, itinerary or just the boat? Were you on a little dinghy? Uh, or were you a little because you were six? I think it's the same one Maddie's going on. The Cozumel, uh, okay. the Cozumel cruise. I want, I want to say it was Carnival. Yeah, little river cruises in my home city of Pittsburgh uh, where they have the Gateway Clipper Fleet. That does not count. That doesn't count. You're just in there in the casino anyways, right? When you're, well, when they, you're didn't those cas- they, didn't have, they didn't have any casino going on on those, on those then. Uh, it was just, you know, like good ship lollipop kind of stuff. I got you. You know, just like uh, people singing and, and being told what that building is and when that bridge was built and all of that. You got to like stay over at least a night or two for it to be an official cruise the way that Maddie is doing it. Couldn't help but wonder, uh, remember, like we've both been married and... Uh, those like two to three hours leading up to the moment. Like Maddie was out there showing pictures of the French Quarter. Like if you could imagine a more, not, and dangerous isn't the right word, but like walking around the French Quarter, mm-hmm. at least it's during the daytime leading into, you know, an afternoon wedding. Once you get now, below be, sea, what, sea level, you got to be careful. That's right. Well, and once you get, once the sun goes down in the French Quarter, I'm not sure if you want to be like, all right, I got three hours until my wedding. Yeah, do it during the daytime. So we've got a, uh, it's a Maddie tea-free week because now they actually get to enjoy the glow of the wedding. And um, we can enjoy the glow of a 2-0 weekend for Arkansas athletics with wins coming from both men's and women's basketball. Uh, I guess there was like a Pro Bowl thing this last weekend. Uh, I didn't watch any of the Pro Bowl. I mean, I traveled with women's basketball on Saturday, um, was only able to watch the last few minutes of the uh, win over South Carolina live because we were in the air for most of that game. Um, and then the women's team had their own adventure for a win yesterday. <clears throat> and um, I, I, like my question here is, uh, I, you can see like the reactions sometimes from, from people. Um, and I understand, you know, South Carolina is not a very good team. Auburn women's basketball Not a very good team. But road wins are so difficult to come. It's like a it's like a win and a half, right? Like it's 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 almost like you gotta weight it as one point five. I think fans sometimes, you know, those who you know, feel like being critical after a win and pointing out the negatives instead of the positives first. And understand what you're getting at, because you're pointing out you're pointing out aspects of a team that maybe could be their undoing in March. When the pressure's really on, you know, and I mean, we, we, we see that during baseball season a lot, you know, this and that is going to be the reason they don't win a national title. Uh, and I understand all of that. I also, you know, you try to come from the perspective of the people that are wearing the uniforms and are working for the teams and from the fans who have high expectations at the same time. And I think sometimes, Matt, like people get a little bit tired of always being told that road wins are difficult to come by. You just want one more point than the opponent and all of that. And this has nothing to do with sports betters. You know, where you, hey, we had a 14 and a half point line. I needed them to win by 15. That was a way to stay away from that. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely a stay away. I'm never going to put any, I would never, I would never tell anybody to put money on a team that's got a double digit 
uh, line in their favor. And they got, the and they got zero road wins in conference play. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. In this league, too. I mean, I think it's probably, come on now, it's got to be the same across all of college basketball. I, Big I, 10, Big 12, well, you look, Pack. You brought up that uh, Notre, the, the Duke-UNC game last week, Phil, uh, that, that was going on Saturday, and, and, and there was no hype to it. And and I almost brought this up. I was going to say, I bet the home team wins. And, and the home team wins. Both those teams aren't doing as well, but one of them's like 9-1 and one on the road, and I mean, like how and one of them's like ten, like they did. They still like the home team wins in college. I don't know if it's eighteen year old kids, nineteen year old. The momentum you knew South Carolina was going to make a run. There's just something, and, I, and I've played in these games, and, and and I know I know the thing. You, you get in the lead on the road, and you know they're going to make a run, and the momentum c- comes up, and then when you're at home, you kind of know you're going to make a run. It's like you play with a little different confidence. Yeah, and and. And and look, I mean, the second you can't you can't put it any other way. The second half was shaky for for Arkansas, both men's and women's, this past Saturday and Sunday. But I also appreciate the idea that you can have a shaky 10, 15, heck, maybe even a full twenty minutes, and still find a way to pull out a win. Now the women's team felt like we got a little bit lucky yesterday um, when Auburn has a chance to take the lead for the first time with seven point two seconds on a an intentional foul that was called on Sailor Poffenbarger. And the girl misses two free throws. She was an 86% foul shooter. She missed both the free throws. And then, because it's an intentional foul, Auburn get the ball. still gets the ball back, and they couldn't even inbound it. Five seconds were called, and Arkansas defended it well enough to where the, the Tigers never even threw the ball in. Wow. So, I mean, yeah. there's... There's a lucky aspect to that because there's nothing you can do about somebody standing at the foul line all by themselves. That was luck. They did defend that sideline inbound well enough, and then Michaela hits a couple of free throws. You know, I mean, it's like Arkansas still. The men's team, when they gave up the lead with, what, four minutes left or something like that, all the momentum is in South Carolina's favor at that point. Mm -hmm. All of it. And yet they still found a way. Anthony to- Black found a way to make some shots down the end. When it got to, he's, I love his game, Phil. He, he's a facilitator first. He can score, uh, but but he wants to get everybody involved until it's time to take over, until it was time to kind of go late and, and, and make some shots, and he did that. And then he got the last rebound for us uh, when they had three of their guys down there trying to get a, a putback, and he's the one that gets the rebound and goes to the, to the foul line. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to tell everybody else how to feel about this, but in my own estimation, I just, I want to refuse to be critical of a team that hadn't won a road game and finally found a way to do it, even though, even though, you know, you end up with, you had a 13 point lead early in the second half, you ended up winning by two. But a win is a win. That's what, that's also two, that's also part of this, you know, and now Arkansas is in a position where, I mean, they're going on the road for another four games, including Tuesday night late mm. at uh, at Rupp. That'll be rocking, man. That's 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 going to be a great atmosphere. That 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 might be a little March Madness type atmosphere there. Well, there's there's four road games left, four road games left, five home games remaining, so nine on the schedule. Hogs have sixteen wins. I don't want to ask, like, you know, how many wins they need to get to the tournament, or everything like that. Right now, honestly, like if you play. If you play 500 ball, maybe a little bit better than 500 ball for these next nine, because you can't split nine games evenly, you're in. You're into the tournament. See what happens. And it's interesting, too, when you look at some of those rankings, uh, net ranking, strength of schedule, things like that, things are not all that different from last year. Really, not at all. It's just that Arkansas hasn't gotten on that lengthy run uh, that we've been used to. But I tell you what, four straight conference wins, 
you know, with uh, with with a with a. Um, I wouldn't call it. I mean, is it a, was it a good loss at Baylor playing as well as they did? They played hard. That's there, that wasn't a good loss. I mean, that was a game when you shoot fifty percent and, and hold down to you. You, you got to find a way to win that. You talked about that, Phil. You you got to find a way to win those type of games. You can't you can't win every game by 12, 14, 16 points playing with confidence. You got to kind of win the ugly ones too. That's the thing. It's like I trust a team that can win a close game even if they choked on a big lead because you found a way at the end, and that's what it's about. And quite how often when it comes time to tournament time is that what's it, what it's about? Right. The last minute of the game, it's, man. That's why it's called March Madness. They, they, they make shots, man. March. It's some of the – it's theater, man. It's, it's some of my favorite time to watch sports is, is, is that tournament in March. So they weren't pretty wins, but they were wins, and they were road wins, and it's something to build on for both the men that are hot in conference with four straight wins and for the women that lost four in a row, some of them in heartbreaking fashion, and we saw some similarities, in, even in the win yesterday, from some of those losses, and, and, and hopefully, hopefully you're able to find a way to... You know, not have things not get so dramatic, but honestly, like that's what you expect in this last month of the regular season. And you're playing against teams. Look at what's left on the Arkansas schedule here. So South Carolina is not a tournament team, right? No, they're zero percent. Yeah, Kentucky, Mississippi State, A and M, Florida. Your next four. All four of those teams are fighting to get into the field. If you we watch the game on on Saturday. Um, you know, they put up their bracketology and all seven that. Seven out of the SEC, is that what you saw? About well, seven or eight? Well, in K- Kentucky, according to bracketology and Lenardi, is on an 11 seed right now. So they're playing for their tournament life. Mississippi State, net ranking 46. They won three in a row. They get hot in the month of February, they could get in. A&M, A&M's had this really good conference season with a non-conference schedule that really, I mean, with a non-conference, they're like, what happened to them? They still are fighting for a chance to make it into the tournament. Florida's the same way. And then, of course, you're closing with, you know, road games at Alabama and Tennessee. Both of those teams are, are in. gunning for a one they're, or a two seed. So, right. I mean, everybody's got something to play for outside of maybe Georgia, which is not a very good program, and that's a home game. But out of your remaining nine games, man, I mean... <clears throat> You, 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 you're playing teams that have a lot to play for, including Arkansas. So right now they're in, but more losses than wins in this next month, you know? I mean, and the road games at Kentucky, at A&M, at Alabama, at Tennessee. Truthfully, you get you could see Arkansas losing all four of those games. Well, Truthfully, you, I mean, just what we've seen so far, they could go 0-4 in those road games. They they could. The, the thing, too, though, that you're saying, Phil, is... Georgia and Mississippi State are also home games you can't lose. So, so whatever's being you, you don't want to have to try to go win one uh, that you don't have to. Which I think I, I feel I like our team and, and the way our guards play. I think we can beat any of these teams left on our schedule. I know going to Tuscaloosa uh, February twenty fifth is going to be tough. Knoxville right after that. Those and then you finish with Kentucky. Man, you you those last three games, man. It's it's sink or swim right there. That could kind of be defining if you get a double bye uh, in the SEC tournament or, or, or what your next step is. Because we're two games back from that double bye. Auburn seven and three, which you know they control their own destiny. But that's uh, that double bye is big. Come up really nice to have a couple of days to watch other teams beat themselves up before you try to make your run in uh, in Nashville. 
All right, so this is not the usual Monday. Uh, Mike Irwin is out for today. We do have Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South in hour number three to kick around some of the college football stuff. Uh, Alabama now has their defensive and offensive coordinators. They're bringing Kevin Steele back to the, lead the defense. Of course, they hired Tommy Rees on uh, Friday from Notre Dame. So we'll dig into that with Connor. Your calls and texts as well at 877-377-6963. A glorious day to be talking sports with you here on Halftime. Stop by Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith at 9390 Rogers Avenue and check out their full selection of Tommy Bahama spirits. Get whisked away to Island Paradise with excellence you can taste. Eastside Liquor carries Tommy Bahama Island Gin, Rye Whiskey, Bourbon Whiskey, Rum, and Tommy Bahama Vodkas, Mango, Cucumber, and Neutral. Get by Eastside Liquor today and try the multiple award-winning Tommy Bahama spirits. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL and bowl season to esports. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code believe to receive your rewards that's b-l-e-a-v bet online where the game starts all right hogs win 65 63 over south carolina on saturday afternoon uh three starters played the full game anthony black played 40 ricky council played 40 Devonte davis played 40 uh, and then your other two starters combined for only 24 minutes or so. The Mitchell twin weren't out there all that long. I guess Mackay really wasn't feeling very well under the weather. So he only got out there for five minutes. It wasn't fouls or anything like that. He just didn't, wasn't able to play the way that I think we're used to seeing him play. So uh, Jalen Graham stars once again. Gosh, the guy's a walking bucket sometimes. I mean, really. He's a matchup 16, nightmare, yeah. 16 points in 21 and a half minutes with a bunch of nifty moves around the rim. They found him around the rim for a couple of dunks, but he creates... He's long and, and feel the thing that I, I love about his offensive game, and, and I, I feel like I say this too much, they're all such willing passers. It's a joy to watch the beautiful game of basketball when these guys making moves, doing whatever, and then they see somebody cutting... And they dish. I mean, Debo and Ricky. I know that we could kind of get on them a little bit about some of their passing, but man, they're they're such willing. But the same thing with Graham. He's not afraid to pass the ball, and he's not afraid to move without the ball. I thought he did a great job in 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 they they say kind of in a phone booth and in a little bit of a space, just making a little cut here, making a little cut here, and freeing himself up. And then, like you said, man, he can finish around around the rim. You get him eight feet, ten feet, and in, he can put some points on the board. I just wish there was consistency for Graham in, in other areas uh-huh. where, you know, even even Moss talks about it in the post-game interview with Chuck and Zim uh, Saturday. You know, they, Graham was the star of the game. He joins them for the post-game interview, and then Moss comes over, and, and, and we kind of, it wasn't that he poured water on Jalen's uh, game, but he did point out, I mean, he played 21 and a half minutes, and got one defensive rebound, and right. he needs more more of that. I mean, that's that's a reason why it's a little difficult, I think, for Graham to get on the court on a consistent basis. And it, I mean, honestly, it's like 
I know that there's that he's a finesse offensive player on the inside. He's not going to overpower anybody. He's just got a bunch of moves. He's got an array of moves. Yeah, for a long time. You can tell. You know, if the first move is shut down, he's got two, three, four, five of them that he can go to. Um, you know, within a within a four second space. But man, you'd love to see. That's why it's like you saw in the Baylor game. So he only scored the four points, but grabs nine rebounds and and stole the ball twice and played much better defense. So you'd look at a game, the like Graham, this is the third time this year that he scored 16 points, making eight out of 10 shots. He did the same against Asheville, Alabama, and now against South Carolina. Like the, the efficiency to score 16 points on 10 shots and none of them being a three-pointer says a lot about the guy's talent. And I also think work ethic on the offensive side. And I don't know what his work ethic is like defensively or rebounding because those things are all about. Well, he gets out of position. He's he's it's it's a little bit of recognizing the situation and what he he kind of gets out of position a little bit. It's it's I don't I mean, Gray was was kind of dominating. But, yeah, on the defensive end, uh, he'll get caught looking a little bit. But but, yeah, you kind of got to want to. But you got to be smart, man. Getting rebounds. It's not about being seven foot. It's about kind of understanding angles, understanding where, where the guy's shooting from, understanding where you think the ball. There's a lot that goes into it that he's I, and Phil. It's it's a common thing, man. You get a lot of basketball players, and they really and, and I think Nolan said this about Devo. It's like they really concentrate on one end of the floor. They they just don't understand how to. You got to be able to play both ends. And on the offensive side, he's got it. But you you got to you got to play better. And that gray man, that dude had 14 rebounds. I mean, he looked like a beast down there. Well, and that worries me of, you know, who you got coming up here. Because if, if Josh Gray will drop 20 with 14 rebounds, half of those on the offensive glass, I mean, you're about to go up and that's against the- Oscar Shibway, you know, last year's National Player of the Year and, and, and playing at, at still a pretty high level this season. So I, I, I kind of wonder about Arkansas on the inside. Like, Makai better be – I hope Makai is feeling You need bad. both of them. You need both you the need Mitchells, both the Mitchell yeah, twins. and maybe There's even Kamani no to that. get some more minutes too. Because you, it's going to be. And Phil, we we talk about this when you see things on tape. When we're when you're watching football and you like see somebody uh, get a sack and how whatever move they did in special teams, whatever they did with a pick route on offense, you know what they tell the teams to do? They're going to do the same exact thing to you. So the the, the words out. Teams are going to crash the boards. They're going to try to get offensive boards. So you got to prepare for it. In Kentucky. Um, I mean, look, I mean, Arkansas right now, and they don't have that true five. I think Makai at times plays like that. But, you know, a, a Makai Mitchell who isn't feeling it 100% could only give you five minutes against South Carolina. I mean, it's three days to hope that he heals, you know, whatever, whatever illness is ailing him, because he and McKell, like both of them together, are, are going to have to come up big against a guy like uh, like Oscar Shibway. Um but uh, you know you look at it like so so Josh Gray has the best game of his potentially of his career mm-hmm. and you could throw it as a flash in the pan kind of a game um, but you're going up against somebody on Tuesday that you know has, has has been a dominant force in the SEC for a couple of years now. And going up against him in a, in a place where, truthfully, like the only two players you could see that will defend in there at that level could be Mitchell and Mitchell, because Kamani, like I understand, like Kamani is Kamani is a tough guy and and plays with that attitude. 
I just don't think that he has the kind of size yeah. to be able to battle there I, with Shibway on a consistent basis. And the Mitchell twins do. Yeah, I think you might be right on that, but I, I think it's good to kind of throw a different body at him. I, I think it, it might be a game where m- maybe you're not trying to get 20 minutes out of Kamadi, but you still need to get 12 out of him. And then Jordan Walsh needs to be a matchup nightmare as well. Uh, and and he should be well rested and, and and ready to go. But yeah, I think all three of those bigs and and we've had our bigs have some good games, have successful games. But it's going to have to be one of those deals where guards are going to have to play well, obviously on the road. But our bigs are going to have to step up against Kentucky. Text in from Derek and Rogers about Anthony Black as a rebounder, and he is a good rebounder, uh, especially for that position, uh, averaging five point three rebounds per game. Pulled down six for Arkansas against Carolina. How about Jordan Walsh with 10 boards, six of them on the offensive glass? Like Athlete, that's thing, yeah. That's where, that's where Jordan Walsh can really come up big. Now if he can turn those offensive rebounds into points for himself, um, it would be nice. Just a couple of dunks for, uh, for Walsh, and, uh, and that was it. Otherwise, he got some open shots, and they just weren't falling for him. And it's another, you know, kind of an uneven performance for Walsh, although I really do like him coming off the bench. Like I, you say, he was coming off the bench. He played starters minutes because Makai was ill. So I like Walsh coming off the bench, but I also like Makai Mitchell being healthy because I think he's an incredibly important piece to this uh, Arkansas team moving forward. Uh, open segment coming up at 877-377-6963. This is a great moniker for the texter that just sent us a text here. Disappointed sports fan. We'll read his text in a moment. Uh, I don't know. I'm not reading the text necessarily right now. Uh, but when you see a text coming in from someone who has named themselves disappointed sports fan, I kind of wonder what uh, direction it's going to go in. Chuck Barrett here. I know a thing or two about making great calls in Arkansas. And when it comes to your home service needs, make the call to Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. The friendly pros at Pascal have been serving Arkansas for more than 50 years. And as the weather changes, make sure your system is ready with a Pascal protection plan. Call the pros at Pascal and get a seasonal tune-up, discounted services, and priority scheduling. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned. Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. Get by Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith today and pick up a bottle of the delicious 291 Colorado Bourbon and Rye. Also available, High Noon Tailgate Packs are in stock, so swing by 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith for all your game day needs at Eastside Liquor. Now, back to the podcast. All right, we have the text from Disappointed Sports Fan asking about Jordan Walsh. Do you think he's a true five-star the way that he's played or uh, and this is coming right out of the text. Or is college maybe too much for him? <clears throat> and I agree. I mean, he you can count on Walsh's defense. He gives the effort. I don't think the effort's there, both on the glass and defensively. Just a raw offensive player, and there's been uneven performances um, on the offensive side. Uh, and you know, Matt, we've 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 kind of like said by this point of your first year. You're really not a freshman anymore. If you've been playing on a consistent basis like Walsh has, you know, you've um, it's like you're still a freshman when when you look at the roster. But the experience level that you have now, you kind of have a sense now of of after a month of SEC basketball, what the league is about uh, and 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 the knowledge that this isn't the same as playing against 
North Carolina Asheville Whoa. in in the non conference season. So I don't think he's a freshman anymore by that. But with that said, <clears throat> I think like we see the word we we see the term five star next to somebody on a recruiting page. And and automatically you're like, well, all right. I mean, first round draft choice. This is somebody that should just be pouring in 14, 15, 16 points a game. And and you know maybe maybe that's what you expected from from Jordan Walsh. Maybe that was expected of Nick Smith. Maybe from Anthony Black too. You know, and I don't know. We'll see Smith. Black is obviously doing so many things on the court that I think that five star is true. And he will be a first round pick. I wouldn't be surprised if Black is a pick in the in the lottery. He's a lottery pick. He's gotten better each week. Uh, and the AB. Oh my goodness! I mean, ever ever Jordan Walsh now, Phil. He's a guy that absolutely he's a five star. He's he's an amazing athlete. He's a basketball player. Yes, sir. He's should he he's a guy that needs three years in the NBA. I mean, in the in college. I mean, Jordan uh, is only, would only be better next year. I mean, he, you look at guys like Jerry Dudley that played in the NBA for years. Just a, a tall. Six seven six eight guard that uh, can shoot a corner three and be a little bit athletic. He's he's way more athletic than Jerry Dudley, and that dude played for a decade. So Jordan's Walsh game at the next level is going to be shooting that corner three. It's going to be playing defense. I mean, it's it's going to it's going to change a little bit. But he doesn't have to he doesn't have to create his own shot. He needs it like you said, get offensive boards and then turn them into two points. But that does give us another possession. He can do a lot a lot of great things out there on the floor. But that doesn't mean, necessarily mean it's not a knock on the kid to say, "Oh, dude, you came to college for one year and you're not a first round pick." Oh my, it's like that's not a. It's like that's okay. That's if he comes here for two years, three years. Yes, he's a first round pick, no question. He just he has to get better, man. He's a freshman. He's a baby. He's he was the best athlete on the floor every single game I bet in high school. So he's not anymore. He's still a great athlete, but he's learning how to play basketball. He's learning how to be a basketball. It's like you get a guy that just can throw heat, and and you got to learn. You got to teach him how to pitch. You know, teach him how to what he's got to do, how to how to use his different pitches and stuff. He, he can do a lot of good things. He just he's not ready for the next level yet, but that's okay. I think it's a matter of refinement. Yeah, you know? and working on your craft. Practice goes a long way to it. You could see Jordan being a player that does create his own show. Yeah, oh, he's absolutely. Fast. He's got all the skills, man. Long yeah. strides to be able to get past. Got to work on his dribbling. Just, yep, yep. But, but there's, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. Hasn't produced, like I think we at times view what a five-star is supposed to produce in college it's come on a you know next uh, year once in a while basis on the offensive side. Next year, I mean, he, I mean look, I mean, ten rebounds off the bench. <laughs> you take that, right? You'll take that. You just you would expect maybe more than four points. Well, next year, if he, I mean, if he, which he should come back next year, he he's going to average around fourteen and nine. I bet like fourteen and eight. Like that's just what he'll do. Like that's to be the progression. Then everybody will be saying, you know, then it, then it, it, that's just what it's going to have. Like he's just a baby, man. He's he's played what twenty three games at, at the University of Arkansas. Arkansas, and uh, he's kind of playing a little out of position. He's trying to find his way. Just you, he needs minutes. That doesn't necessarily. And, and I said this at the very beginning after watching him play a couple games. You don't have to run a single offensive play for Jordan Walsh. You just you run your offense, and he's talented enough just in his ability if he's on the floor to get a double double. Just 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 because he's he's one of the best athletes out there. Brandon sent a text asking about uh, the rotation, the Arkansas rotation basketball. Uh, do you think Muss has settled on his rotation and asks about if, if, if you think you're going to see much of Barry Dunning Jr. or Joseph Pinion any longer? 
Uh, with Dunning, I don't. I mean, I don't really expect him to be playing very much at all. Uh, so, Pinion's a different story because there's been a couple of games where it's felt like he's been the difference. I know that first Missouri game, he was the difference. Mm-hmm. But here's a difference right now from you know when Pinion was getting minutes to when he's not getting very much minutes right now. Devo Davis is hitting three pointers. That's what Pinion can do right now for you. He's not going to play hard nosed, tough defense. He's not going to out rebound a lot of guys. Like physically, I don't think he's ready for those sort of aspects of playing big time college basketball. I think he'll grow into that role. I do think Joseph Pinion will be a really important piece of this program in the next couple of years. He's going to hit a lot of big shots. Yeah. But he's been important at times this season. But as Devo's ability to hit the outside shot, has become much more consistent, Pinion's minutes are going down. So as of right now, yeah, it does feel like he's settled on that rotation quite a bit. Got a couple of callers on hold. Let's take the phone call. 877-377-6963. First up is Cabbage Head. Hi, Cabbage Head. Good to hear from you. What's up? Hey, guys. Good show. Uh, uh, For what Matt was uh, saying, uh, I I guess I, I have to agree with him. But that tells us that uh, uh, Smith Jr. <laughs> he may have to really start all over again. But yeah, I, I think everybody's kind of getting put out with that deal, don't y'all? I mean, it's you know he he uh, and then like putting Pinion in. Don't don't put him in. I mean, just to shoot the one shot, get him warmed up, play a little bit, and uh, and put him in. You know, I, I think I've talked to you guys about that before. It's just really uh, extreme pressure to put him in like the other day, and he shoots one shot and hits the backboard. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it's just uh, – I know that's a planned play, but it just seems like Musk is a better coach to realize that, man, you just can't come off the bench cold and expect to, I think, to produce unless you're uh, Pat Bradley or uh, Alex Dillard or, you know, somebody like that. But uh, – I don't know. That That's disappointing. Another thing, I was listening to DQ and your other guy there on uh, Saturday, and there was a guy John called in. He he, uh, he made a lot of sense. Of course, he said, we can't shoot, which we we know that. We don't have three-point shooters like the other teams have, and, and we're just lacking in that area. But another thing I didn't realize is that I wondered and just, just severely disappointed when those teams would get – go down the right side of the court, get underneath, and uh, nobody could stop them. They just put the ball up there, hits the backboard, and falls in. Well, you know what? The reason that that is is what he he, he called it to, my, to, to the attention. And guess what? It was Williams taking a charge. If you notice, we have not taken very many charges. And that would stop that. Uh, going and hitting that layup like that, and 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 our guy standing there can't do anything, or if he does, he fouls. Well, I mean, Mus also told us a bit before the season started, you're not going to have the charges that you had last year. I mean, that's a there's a certain there's a certain know how of how to do that, and I also think nobody has that kind of rep- reputation on this team to be able to take the number of. Charges. It's an art. It's you, you got to be so, yeah. It's, I think Jalen got some calls last year that other players would not have gotten based upon the reputation. Probably so. Specifically on the reputation. Um, and hey, uh, and like, I, more- mean, I only think there's a few players that are so good at that that that's a legitimate way that you're going to defend the rim. And Jalen was one of those players. 
Am I, am I still on? You Go sure ahead. Are. Hello? Okay. Hey, did, were y'all the ones that last week were talking about people that had famous uh, autographs? I think we were talking about running into some of our heroes or who's some of the celebrities. Because I'd, I'd mentioned yeah. that I'd ran into Jalen Rose. I forget Phil right. who and, and who Maddie T. I don't know that it was necessarily autographs, but yeah, what, what's up? Uh, yeah, uh, well, I got one. I want. I tried to get in, but uh, y'all were pretty busy that day. But uh, I got one uh, from Waylon Jennings. Oh, nice, and, uh, good one there. <laughs> Well, it's a, you know, it, was uh, it personalized? Did he say something on it or just the name? No, his backstage pass, of course, my dad was a policeman and he was in charge of the security when the concerts came to Fort Smith uh, out there, Harbor Stadium. So I was back there and I got this backstage pass uh, from Wayland's crew and I didn't get to wear it very much, but it was, it was pretty comical. It was a picture of a real good looking girl and it and Wayland signed it uh said this gets your ass in free <laughs> and it was a pre- it was a pretty i still got it guys maybe it'll be worth something Wayland Jennings, that, that's, a, that's a rock star that's pretty cool man maybe you could use yeah, it to it get is, into another show I'm, somewhere else cabbage head but my maybe wife wouldn't let me put, i'm sorry no your wife wouldn't let you do what she would I, I couldn't wear it very much, but it's put up in a safe place. Just it's, hang it off the rearview really, mirror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was funny, but but him and him and Willie came up with stuff like that back in the outlaw days, you know. And it it, it was funny though. This get, this gets you in free right here, and it was printed right across the girls. You know what? You know, and uh, I I never I have never uh, <laughs> ever seen another backstage pass, but. It did. It got you in free if you had one. Well, that's cool. That's a, that. That's one to. Uh, that's that's one to definitely uh, keep uh, keep forever. Encase that thing in plastic. Appreciate you, Cabbage Head. Good to hear from you. Next up is Wayne in Bentonville. Good morning, Wayne. How you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? Excited I just got a question today. for you, Phil. Shoot. Well, I, I, what I want to know is when is the first Razorback baseball game? going to be broadcast on the radio next friday it's a the friday game against the texas longhorns at the texas ranger stadium seven o'clock next friday Uh, all right and also can you is there you may not know or but what was the reason zach gregory transferred as i know he couldn't hit left-handed pitchers but he's his own base average was great Wayne, that's a good question. That's a good question. I think, I think, and I can't remember where Zach transferred to, but he transferred to a place where he's going to play every day. It, it was not a given he was going to play every day at Arkansas. Not even close. I think with the players that transferred in, um, he had to scratch and claw for some playing time, you know, which is saying something maybe about the guys that have come in and a guy like Jace Borfin, because Gregory was. Someone that, I mean, he had a low batting average, but like you said, I mean, on base percentage near 440 and ran the base as well. So, but I, th- I think it was a matter of just trying to find a place that, that he was going to get consistent playing time that he could count on. Because I don't think that was going to happen with this year's Arkansas baseball team. Wayne, we got to run. I appreciate you very much for, uh, for the phone call. 
877-377-6963 for any other thoughts on that. Hey, that's right. We, uh, we do have baseball next Friday against Texas. 11 days. You got a number 11 to count on for later on in the oh, show? Oh, yes, sir. You already know. Okay. The team scrimmaging today, too. A Monday scrimmage. Monday college baseball is rare. Really rare. Great day to be outside scrimmaging. Not in the gymnasium anymore. You know, great day. You are not kidding. Yeah, our affiliates in Fort Smith, Hot Springs, and Harrison all carrying Razorback baseball once again. Um, And, yep, you got me and Bubba on the call all season long. Although Brett Dolan is going to be doing the radio broadcasts uh, during the tournament in... Arlington, I'll be with women's basketball, so I won't be on the air until the Tuesday after. All right, wrapping up our number one of halftime next. Head to Twin Peaks and Rogers, your sports headquarters, where the 29-degree draft beer is flowing, the kitchen is bursting with made-from-scratch fan favorites, and the game is blasting from every angle. Stop in for the ultimate game day experience, or visit them online at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com to order to-go or delivery and enjoy your Twin Peaks scratch favorites from home. More TVs, bigger screens, plus their scenic views. There's more to watch at Twin Peaks. Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey and Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey and Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey and Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey and Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. I saw um, a tweet yesterday where somebody in central Arkansas said that Pinnacle State Mountain Park, Pinnacle Mountain State Park was so packed that nobody was allowed to park any longer and go up the mountain I don't know how you necessarily have you done that one before out of a state park. I've been there a number. Of times. Yeah, yeah. When I lived in Little Rock, we used to go up there. It's a that's a fun. I mean, that's a good that's a good little trek. Have you done both sides of it? I have. Yeah, yeah one side with the kids, one side without. The kids. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Yeah, I don't think they're. I don't think they're ready to be uh, climbing up what feels like a, like a, a giant rock face. That real. The, the other you, side is a real. I feel like I was ready for it either. To be honest, I didn't know the first time I went there. I was thinking, man, you gotta, you know, if we're gonna do it, let's do it. And so uh, did the did the hard side first, and then the next five times, I think I went to the easy side. Uh, that that hard side's a real workout, and it's kind of a little day. If you're not ready for it, you gotta can be dangerous at times. Yeah. I wouldn't say like the hard side is a leisurely hike. Heck, the easy side isn't necessarily that either. It's a real workout, man. It's one of my favorite places to visit. Beautiful. In the entire state of Arkansas. What's your favorite place to visit in the state of Arkansas? 877-377-6963. We've got a great system of state parks. I love Mount Nebo. Uh, Pinnacle is terrific. I've always enjoyed going to Hot Springs. Hot Springs, yeah. Well, I mean, you want a place that you can get something good to eat. I love you know, the hot you springs. Stay over for a night. You got a bunch of places you can kind Cozy. of back and yeah. relax. Yeah, that's uh, either uh, you know, uh, hot springs always works. Petty Jean State Park and Petty Jean Mountain, terrific. I, I like to take advantage of the state parks when the chance arises. We haven't had the weather necessarily to do that. Today's the day, though. 
today's the day. Like, get outside with the kids and go up the easy face of Pinnacle Mountain. There you go. In the afternoon. Yeah. What's it take about? It's about an hour and a half to, to go up the easy face. That, that About 75 minutes, if I remember right. It's been five, six years since I've done it, but it's. You do it in two hours as far, I mean, to getting up the easy side. That's more than two loops, too, isn't it? Man, it's a real, hey, we're going, to, we're going straight to Mexico. We're getting cheese dip and a large beer after, uh, after doing. You reward yourself after doing that trek. Texts are coming in. What is your favorite place to visit in the state of Arkansas and why? 877-377-6963. Meanwhile, we're going to dig into this big NFL championship game next on Halftime. Come make craft for the Fitzman. If you've always wanted powered automatic gates at your home or business, but you didn't know who to call, let me tell you about the Fitzman. 479-782-3936. The Fitzman does it all. Custom wrought iron installations, automatic gates, even controlled access systems, and lots more. Ask about 18 months, same as cash financing with approved credit. For your custom fence and gate needs, call the Fitzman. 479-782-3936. The Fitzman. He ain't afraid of no work. Have a loan with a variable to balloon rate? That might be a problem if it's due to reprice soon. Let Farm Credit fix your problem with a long-term fixed interest rate loan. Farm Credit's terms are the longest in the ag industry, ensuring you'll have peace of mind for years to come. At Farm Credit, you have nothing to lose. When rates begin to drop, you can easily readjust your rate again with no refinancing application, no new appraisals, no new title work. We make it simple. Find a Farm Credit office near you at myaglender.com. Equal housing lender. Riley Farm Dental at the entrance to Riley Farms provides every type of dental care and procedures for you and your family. General dentistry, braces, implants, and cosmetics. Doctors Sparkman, Nanda, and Farmer give all of their patients better lives with a better smile, more confident, and a comfortable experience every time. Riley Farm Dental, 5901 Riley Park Drive, Suite A at the entrance to Riley Farms. Call 226-3500 for an appointment or visit RileyFarmDental.com. At Southern Tire Mart, we look out for you and your vehicle. Come visit us for America's most trusted brands like Michelin Tires and top-of-the-line service. You can depend on Southern Tire Mart and Michelin Tires to keep you rolling. Come see us at Southern Tire Mart, just off I-540, exit 14 in Fort Smith, for Michelin Tires that fit your needs and service that cares for you like family. Watch every hog game this season at Joe's Grill and Cantina, your home for half-price apps and taps during every hog game. With TVs all around the restaurant, you'll have a front-row seat for all the action. Half-price appetizers like Joe's Sampler Platter, Ballpark Nachos, Tin Lair Dip, Brisket Nachos, and Mexican Pizza. And ask about Joe's tailgate packages to make your football experience even better in the comfort of your home. Half-price apps and taps for every hog game at Joe's Grill and Cantina, 3400 South 74th Street, across from Harps. ESPN Arkansas weather. For today, we will see more clouds and sunshine winds. Could be anywhere from 30 to 35 miles per hour. Chance of a few rain showers across the north tonight. Overnight lows will drop down in the low to mid-50s. Chance of seeing some scattered showers on Tuesday. High temperatures mid-50s north, mid-60s south. I'm Sally Russell with your forecast on ESPN Arkansas. The weather is brought to you by Metters Lumber True Value. With locations in Alma, Ozark, and Clarksville, there's always a Metters Lumber near you. Proceed. KERX Paris Fort Smith. This is Halftime. Coming at you from the Bushlight Studios on ESPN 95.3. It's what I always listen to. 
Broadcasting on ESPN Arkansas and streaming on HitThatLine.com. We got a good one tonight. You got a team in here that doesn't respect you. Live from the Bushlight Studio. Don't ask me if I'm all right. Joaquin said dominate, and we're not doing it. We're going to go get one and celebrate on somebody else's field. Ben Jones may take it to the house and the dunk. You both said you had very motivational words at halftime. It's halftime with Bill Olson and Matt Jones. Produced by Matt Travis. Hold the roll, hold the Probably as frustrated as, as I've been uh, the first half. Do we believe? Yes, Second half, uh, very happy. It is vintage Matt Jones. Now here's Phil Olson and Matt Jones. Hour number two, halftime. Got the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. Yeah. By the way, anybody watch any of this Pro Bowl stuff over the last weekend? I didn't put my eyes on it once. Not like I used to watch the Pro Bowl anyway. But I I thought maybe there'd be a little added interest with some of these skills competitions and flag football. Uh, but I didn't watch any of it. Did you watch any of that, Matt? You know, I saw Jesse James Decker start to sing the national anthem, and I think that was enough for me. Um, I, I saw a little bit of the hockey all-star game where they go three-on-three, three, which that's a little more aesthetically pleasing. It's just, it's not pretty. Whatever they're doing at the Pro Bowl, it's it's not a, it's not a good look. You know, it's like... Um, I don't, I don't know. I get having a skills challenge or having an off-to-school course or doing something about it, but it's kind of like they just at PE class and they're like, all right, we're going to spin the wheel and we're just going to do this today. Like there's not really any structure or organiza- organizational aspects right, like, to it. It's like first day or last day of school stuff. Yeah, let's just what go. What are we even here for today? We got six hours. All right, go go wear your little self out. Yeah. yeah. Might as well roll out the VHS cart. And, uh, you know. <laughs> That's the best day of school, yeah. Yeah, just put on a put on an educational movie of uh, of some sort, and you got you don't ha- nobody takes it seriously. You know, it's just a thing. You don't have the best of the best. It's not your best athletes, your best players. It's they're not playing it. It's more of like a, you know, if you're under twenty seven or something, and it's your first time, then you go to experience it, and it's just not. It's not. It's not what it used to be. Well, and I'm sure those. I'm sure the players enjoy at least a chance to get to Vegas. But it must must have been a little bit different when at least you got the trip to Hawaii. I mean that 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 can speak for itself. A trip to Hawaii. What it was it was it Josh Jacobs that said. Aside from this is is crap. Um, I think he also said something akin to, "Why don't they just send us on a vacation?" <laughs> just make it a vacation. I like what Scott says here. Text in. I don't know if you remember the Network Battle of Stars. Yeah. The, yeah. The Battle yeah. of the Network Stars. Yeah. What, what Was that on ABC? Was ABC? Was that an ABC Wide World of Sports thing? I thought so. I saw, um, you know, the Super 70s Sports Twitter account puts a lot of good. I like that one. That's a good one. And and he put one out that, that was, a, that was a, a swim race between the Super Bowl champion Steelers 
and the World Series champion Cincinnati Reds. See, Phil, I'm, I'm with Wouldn't you. Wouldn't that be an interesting thing I, to watch? I would love to see AFC-NFC softball game. At least they're competing. <laughs> they're doing something. I mean, these are athletes out there. They can do a lot of different things. Like, if you want to do a basketball game, a, a softball game, something that we can get out there and compete and have a little fun on, uh, they're, they're just – there's not a lot of – I mean, everybody's moving around at 30%, it seems like, at the pro. You know, nobody, we're not, you're not seeing the horses be horses. You know, you're not seeing the athletes be athletes. It's just kind of Christmas ornament type stuff. So they did dodgeball. I guess that's, I guess that's kind of cool. But um, there's got to be some other, you know, competitions that stint. I mean, these are guys that spend a lot of time in the weight room. I know all athletes do, but, you know, football, they're a little bit bigger than most others in college. Uh, you got to work out at least twice a week during the season. Yeah. I mean, you're lifting all the time. Yeah. What about a heavy lifting competition? Is that something that you'd be interested in? You know, like a strong man, like they they yeah. throw the stuff and lifting the wood and being kind of cool about it. Yeah, that would be something. That would be something neat. And then and bring back the fastest. Have whoever thinks they're the fastest six, seven, eight guys. I want to see all them run. Like Daryl Green, Deion Sanders, Rod Woodson, like they used to do. That would be. I mean, uh, your boy Tyree Kill. Why why can't we see him run against somebody? Devontae Adams, which he's in the Super Bowl, he can't do it, but. But there's a couple guys out there that I would like to see them race and see who, who really is the fastest. Well, it's not a game that matters anymore because it's like three flag football games and a whole bunch of other competitions rolled into one to make the NFC or the AFC feel like they won something. But then you got a real football game with real tackling and no flags on Sunday in uh, what is deemed for those who don't pay the licensing fee to use the term. It is the NFL championship game. The big game, as we see on a lot of commercials, I think this could be always cracks me up. I think this could be an epic one, Phil. I I, I know we. I'm not not trying to hype it up or build it up more than what it is. uh, But you you got a Kansas City that had to kind of fight. Their two playoff games have been one possession games to to win, and I think the AFC is a little stronger than NFC. Phillies just kind of rolled through. They they played a, a a New York Giants team that didn't really belong in the playoffs. They played a San Francisco 49ers team with their four string quarterback. Not denying their greatness and how good they are. Philly's got all the talent, but I, I just don't see them. I, I think they're running up against a real team, a real quarterback. Uh, not not just – I mean, the Giants and San, San Francisco had a defense, but with your four-string quarterback, you, you really can't – I mean, nothing nothing there. I, I, I like Kansas City. I, I saw the Madden simulation where they had um, – Philly winning it, I think, going away and, and Jalen Hurts being named MVP. And I think the Madden simulation is pretty pretty right on most of the time. Look, I mean, San Francisco was down to a fourth-string quarterback. They still had their first-string defense out there. And those holes got opened up by that Philly offensive line, which means something to me. I mean, this is a – if it's a line of scrimmage game – Philadelphia has owned the line of scrimmage in just about every game they've played this year, and certainly in the two playoff games. No question. That and look, it's, I think, that D I line. They have four guys with over ten sacks. Man, that's that's mm-hmm. wild, Phil. You know, KC's got a good defensive front, but I think they're going to have a lot of trouble getting to Jalen Hurts. You know, they, uh, Philadelphia uh, this year really didn't allow all that many sacks. Forty-four sacks. On the other hand, Mahomes got sacked twenty-six. Times. He played 17 games. Seven, that's it. 
Hey, veteran, veteran guy out there. He knows how to get rid of the ball. You, you gotta, you gotta kind of trick him. That's the thing you talk about a Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, guys that have seen it. Tony Romo. That's when I, I always tell you, Phil. These quarterbacks need reps. You need reps. You need to keep playing. You need a thousand reps in college. You don't need just to play one year and go to this next level. Patrick Mahomes has seen it. You gotta be really tricky to get it, either to get him to throw a pick or to get a sack on him. It's almost got to be somebody has to mess up, blow, blow a coverage, blow an, uh, an assignment. Uh, to get a sack on him because he's he's I mean he's seen it all. Eight seven seven three seven seven sixty nine sixty three for any thoughts on the uh, <clears throat> big game. We don't have to pay for the right to say Super Bowl. We're allowed to just say it. I just like calling it the big your, game. Your blue check mark. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to tell you. <laughs> See, I'm not paying for that either. Uh, one thing that stands out about Philly's ability to get to the quarterback is they don't have to they don't have to uh, blitz very much at all. Uh, so it's not like they're leaving a cornerback on an island uh, very often. I mean, those four, the four players that you mentioned, they can just get to the quarterback. They just can get there, man. Um, Whether it's Sweat or Graham or Hargrave or Reddick, they can just get there. Um, So I'm I'm starting to lean towards Philly. You know, I didn't really pay too much attention to a lot of the matchups last week. I'm starting to lean towards Philly. I know they're favored by one and a half, but here's the other aspect too. Like all it will take, all it takes. I think Patrick Mahomes is as tough as of a son of a gun as there's ever been in the NFL, and I think he's a magician. But one tackle, one sack at the right place could ruin the whole game for Kansas City. Anybody, and, anybody who knows that's ever had a high ankle sprain, feel you're right on that. That that ankle that the and all the treatment, all the doctors, all the nurses that he's going to have getting it right. He's going to be fine. But it's just that once you take that one hit or turn that one wrong way, somebody rolls you up and it goes all. It's like you're like playing your video game. You have 80 strength and it goes all the way back down to zero. That's how it'll be. So and is, if he can stay uh, without getting contact or making any weird movements, and, and that's kind of what he. I mean that's that's the the alert. That's why he is so good is because he's able to move around. But he he's smart enough to to get rid of the ball. But if you can get to him, that could it could just totally change the game. See, we got Charlie on hold here. We'll go to Charlie uh, Chuck. I know you don't like to be called Chuck. He's tuna. We'll go to him in a moment. We got some answers from people who've texted in their favorite place to visit in the state of Arkansas. I like the one that Mark's in in Hawksbill Crag. That is one of my favorites too. Been there once. Um, I even went to the edge of that little crag and looked over, and then it was half a second later, I moved backwards. That was the right thing to do. Uh, Matt Blackston likes to uh, go canoeing and camping on the Big Piney Creek north of Russellville. Uh, let's see, we've got Adam from Wynn. He loves going to uh, the bluffs and relaxing with his family around the Buffalo River, Lake Washita from Bryan and Dallas. Charlie, where do you, where's your favorite place to visit? In our in our Man, great home state of Arkansas, I tell you what, Phil, give me the hot springs. Uh, I can do a lot of things in hot springs, and whether it be just go to the casino and gamble all my money away and lose every bit I got, or you know I can go have a good time out there on the lake or whatever. Uh, little little, you know, uh, I've had a lot of fun in hot springs in my life. It's probably been for me because I, you know, I actually have never. I've only been to Fayetteville once in my life, which is crazy to think, but when you're all the way down here, uh, you know, and I don't, I'm not a big, like, I don't like riding in the car for that long. I don't know what it is. I'm very impatient, <laughs> but, uh, I'm not like, this is not my thing. Like, I don't want to like, I hate it. So that's just never been my thing. And I don't fly. So the tuna has not flown yet. 
He's going to do it one day. But do you have a fear of flying or just haven't had the opportunity? I have a little bit of a fear of it, Phil. I don't know why. I'm, I don't know why. i got to break that. It's, you know, it, it's going to happen eventually. But Because I'm know, not a just, bird. That's why. I don't like yeah, to fly man. either. I, I yeah. understand it. you got all these people crammed into a you know a metal tube that's flying at whatever the speed is. There's no room for air either. It's just it's, like, it, yeah. yeah. And you're trusting strangers up at don't, the front of the, up the, front like of the tube. Yeah. But, hey, I've flown enough times to feel pretty confident about it, even when it feels like a I know, coaster. You, I just put my hand you, You've been doing it forever. So, anyway, uh, I'll say this, though, about the game field. The only thing I will say about the Philly-KC game that could – Kansas City's only shot really to me, like – and, Matt, you're right, Mahomes is great. But Philly is going to come up – because I, I think KC's got a couple receivers banged up. I don't know who all is going to play. I remember there at the end of the AFC Championship game, they were just kind of throwing guys out there yeah, that they had a little left. hodgepodge. And, yeah, uh, they're going to have to have a couple guys get healthy enough to play, and they're going to have to play well because Philly's going to come up there and challenge them a little bit. Because if you remember a few years back, who was it that uh, beat Mahomes in the, uh, Tampa? They just got after you with four guys, and they it's kind of similar to Philly. If they can get you in third and long, you're in trouble because you can't hold the football. And they're going to come up on you. They're going to challenge you. They're going to play, you know. They're going to play a little too high shell, but they're going to they're going to come up on you. And you can't. And you don't have time, you know, to get, you know, to that second, third, fourth read against them because you just don't, like Phil said. And so if they don't stay ahead of the change, they're going to have a long day. And and now if they can find a way to, you know, and they're going to have to, you know, Andy Reid is a guy that likes to get away from the run game. I know that's not their strength. But they're going to have to find a way to stay at like third and five or below that. They cannot be living in third and long. It's going to be a long day. I was going to ask you, Matt, when you think about Jalen Hurts and the whole RPO system that Philly runs, um, it's crazy to me to think about it. I wonder how many of their plays are just true RPOs. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I don't know how, I don't watch every game that they play. First of all, I hate Philly because I'm a Cowboys fan. But I know a lot of what they do is RPO based. I was wondering, I was just thinking, like, if I went back and watched their tape, like, I wonder how many of their plays, say they run 70 plays, I bet at least 40 to 50 of them are RPO-based. I mean, where they it, it's all read-based. So that's just crazy to me how much they do that. And uh, kind of similar to when they won it a few years back when Nick Foles kind of won that Super Bowl with that RPO system. Yeah, who was that? Uh, Doug Peterson, was he their quarterback Doug coach? Peterson, yeah, yeah, I like him. Yeah, he, yeah. Yeah, but before I go, guys, um, you know, the big win this past weekend. We needed it for the confidence. But I'm going to tell you what, we're going to have to play 40 really good minutes of basketball uh, coming up. And I thought, Matt, they're under in the uh, eight-minute stretch or so. Under eight minutes, the mental thing started creeping in a little bit. They started making a few mistakes defensively, mm-hmm. obviously offensively. And that just happens because I think that they've been so used to losing all these close road games. And I think finally – to be able to just get one, I hope that, you know, it, it lets them play a little freer down the stretch. I think they've really been struggling down the stretch how to close games, not just offensively, but defensively. It's like they lose their discipline a bit at times. Hopefully, in this game, I think you got to let, game plan-wise, I think you got to let Seaway eat. If he wants to eat, let him eat. We can't give up threes because you guys know we're not the greatest three-point shooting team. Similar game plan to last year. Sheway wants to go for 25 and 12, so be it. But we can't give up three-point shots on against Kentucky in their place. It's going to be a long night. Anyways, guys, y'all have a good one. Well, defend the three. Charlie, it's good to hear from you. Defend the three 
but also appreciate the idea that she was a great offensive rebounder. And a lot of his points will come on, on, on misses. not necessarily stick backs, but yeah. on, on balls that Getting he offensive rebounds, rebounds yeah. and takes a moment and, and, and is able to stick it back in. That's why, that is why. You need the Mitchell twins in this ball game. Either that, or you got to get two guys on Chibway and get him out of the way. Graham has not shown, except for one game, that he's a strong rebounder. The Mitchell twins are strong rebounders. Kamani's a strong rebounder too. I just think he might be a little bit undersized against Chibway. I think the Mitchell twins have to come up huge on uh, tomorrow. They got to be aggressive and be big. And, and and the thing is, Graham might rebound better if they're playing man. I mean, if they're playing zone and nobody's putting a body on him, he is able to get to the ball a little bit faster. Eastside Liquor has more than just liquor. They also have wellness products and now carry Marley CBD gummies. They come in amazing flavors like Island Punch and Coconut Vanilla. They come in 200 milligram tin packs, so stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue and pick some up today. Now, back to the podcast. Favorite places to visit in the state of Arkansas. I've got a text out of the 479. Loves to go to Ponca. I've been to Ponca. That's gorgeous. Uh, Horseshoe Canyon, uh, not that far away from there, if I remember. That is a beautiful place, too. Don in Fayetteville loves the Buffalo River area. Spencer and Lowell, his favorite place in the state of Arkansas, Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium. Sean and Alma likes Baum. Now, that's my favorite place. Truthfully, Baumwalker Stadium is my favorite place in the state of Arkansas. It's just that's where I work. March, April, what month would you go? I mean, I know it's any time, but what, what's kind of the setting, the backdrop? Is it, you know, 67 degrees outside and you got about a 3 o'clock first pitch? Or are you like a Friday night, a uh, little, little more breezy or a little cooler? Like, I wouldn't mind being out there today for a scrimmage because <laughs> it's nice I'm outside. And I haven't watched the guys play in a little bit, so I'm getting a little bit itchy. I got my addiction to feed here. I mean, my that's taste. Right. That's right. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I love I love the Saturday afternoon games. Yeah, where the weather is perfect, sun shining. Yeah, yeah, and the and the hog pen is so full. Yeah, that you can smell the SPF from four hundred feet away in the booth. I love it, and and you almost don't want those days to end. Like, yeah. I love the night games and everything, but they get a little bit late. I, I love the three o'clock kickoffs where you go in, and then when you come back for the second half, it's dark outside. You know, you kind of yeah. start the game, and those are those are you couldn't beat those. Yeah, I feel lucky. Like I'm, I'm in the position where it's, so my favorite place in the state of Arkansas is where I work. Right, and I work at I work at home, so I like home too. I like I work at Baumwalker, I work at Bud Walton. I love those places, but they're truly true for me. And anyone that's listening to this knows that I'm a baseball guy first. For me. It's it it it's Bomb Walker. I mean, that's where magic occurs, and that's that that's where I've probably had the most fun uh, legally in the state of Arkansas since I moved here. If you if you love where you work, I don't know. I know does that make you rare? Is that your favorite place? Does that make you rare? Maybe. And then there are those people who work in the state parks that are rangers, and they they probably would pick their state park as their favorite place to be. Right. Uh, Wade's giving us a call from Branch. Wade, what's your favorite place to visit in Arkansas? My favorite place to visit in Arkansas, uh, right here in my home community, right here in Branch. But but uh, I'm a lifelong uh, Bay Area sports fan, and uh, but uh, it took me uh, when I first moved out here to Arkansas in 1978. It took me a year to convert to an Arkansas fan because of Sidney Moncrief, and uh, you know, and that that just 
turned me on to the Razorbacks uh, it, from from there, from basketball, football, baseball, you name it. But uh, my thing is, I was, I was talking about, uh, you're talking about the NFC Championship game uh, last week, and uh, I knew from the get-go it was over. <laughs> it, it was over because of, you know, you know Purdy got hurt, and uh, Nick well, you didn't Boza, go into the game he, he feeling got, that way. It's when Purdy got hurt. I mean, that was the moment where you realize this. We're, yeah, we're not, you we're not long for the Super Bowl this year with, with yeah. going on to a fourth that, string. And then you didn't have anybody uh, after him after Johnson got hurt. Yeah, but, but after uh, but looking at the Super Bowl or the NFL championship, I, I'm kind of like you, Phil. It's the NFL championship. But uh, looking at that, uh, you know, Philadelphia is just overwhelming. I mean, they, they are overwhelming and, and, uh, you know, and, and, but I'm not going to put too much, uh, I'm not going to underestimate, uh, KC. I'm not going to underestimate them. Number 15, no, sir. But, uh, well, I my think other, that's what a lot other... of people are going off of, Wade. It's the, it's the, uh, it's the thought that Mahomes, isn't just the best quarterback in the NFL. It's that he's yeah. a magician. It's that it's that he can he can play on one leg because we saw him do it. You know, last oh, week absolutely. in the AFC Championship game. I think that that's oh, yeah. why the line is as close as it is because otherwise, yeah. Philadelphia probably has overall the more talented roster and the healthier roster. Yeah, yeah. They but they're, they're Philadelphia's good. But anyway, my other my other thing is. Uh, my my opinion about uh, the Kyrie Irving thing is just ridiculous. I I what 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 is he thinking? I mean I mean he's going somewhere. How how can you trust him? You can't trust him. And uh, I remember back in the day, you know, and when I was a kid growing up, man, the, these guys most of the time uh, they would stay on one team and 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 they played on one team and. And uh, nowadays, it, it's it's bad, and I, I don't see Kevin Durant staying with Brooklyn. And what uh, uh, Matt and I'll, I'll ask you, Matt, too, as well. What do you think about that situation in Brooklyn? Well, uh, thank thank you for your for your call. I'm a Kevin Durant fan. Now, the deal with Kyrie. Um, Brooklyn, they're, they they, they got to get help. I mean, the Easter is, is an easier conference, and Kevin Durant's the best basketball player in the world when he's healthy. But the thing about Kyrie is he's already won a title uh, playing Robin. I mean, when, when he was with King James and he had to be the second fiddle, uh, he was able to do that. The other thing with Kyrie is he, he hasn't played more than 50 games in the last four years in, in one season. Uh, the thing with Dallas is they're giving some stuff up. They're not giving anybody up that they're really worried about. And with Luka, you're giving around a, a first-round pick. Okay, it's going to be the, the 28th pick in the NBA draft. There's 12 guys a year that can play in the NBA. You know, the 28th pick, it's real tough to, to, to get somebody there. They instantly have the best backcourt in the West if they're, if they're healthy, and Luka and Kyrie. And, and I don't think Kyrie's going to struggle as much as you think playing the two, it, it not, not be, having to be the main guy. Right. You think is is Kyrie the kind of player? That and the thing about it is, is, too, to your point, is they don't owe him any more money. This is the last year of his. They, they, they're not. They didn't get him with a seven year contract extension. They got him with just. They get to see what he does this year, and if they want to let him go, yeah. can, I think it's a great move. It's a it's a roll of the dice, man. That's all. That's what they're doing in Dallas, right there. You gotta. Oh yeah. You got. Absolutely. I mean, it's yeah. 
Hey, Wade, it's good to hear from you. Thank you for the phone call. It, it feels like it's a team that, you know, they were like, well, we're one thing, we're one player short. Who knows if we're going to keep him for another year, but we're one player short of doing something special again here. It, uh, and you got one of the best, if not the best player in the league there in Luca. Luca's, Luca. The thing about Kyrie, Phil, I think, is a lot of people don't like his personality or like how he interacts with the media, uh, how he goes at like a. Uh, he he definitely does have that little arrogant or the he he's a little bit I mean he's a flat earther you know he tells you hey I went to Duke I'm smart it's like if you're smart you don't have to tell people you're smart you know and so he has a little bit of that about him but when it comes to basketball and what the dude can do on the hoop court he's a Hall of Famer I mean the dude he just hasn't been healthy in the last season. like he it's like I don't know if he wants to play or what he want you just don't he's like Neymar in soccer Neymar's always going to miss like 20 games a year so you're like well how am I paying you this much money and you're going to miss because you hurt or whatever. He just hasn't been healthy enough to. But if he's there and can go, man, there's not a better back. That's 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 top in the NBA right there. That's tough. Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith has whip shots. Whip shots from Cardi B is vodka infused whipped cream in flavors like vanilla, caramel, mocha, and peppermint. With 10% alcohol content, these whipped cream shots will make any night a celebration. And they're great on pumpkin pie. Stop by Eastside Liquor today and pick up a can of whip shots at 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Now, back to the podcast. Andy Staples um, in the athletic. Uh, worked on a column that came out earlier this morning about this NIL deal with Jaden Rashada. We've talked about this quite a bit. That's the kid from uh, East Bay, California, that committed to Miami, uh, flipped to Florida, signed a contract for NIL that was worth $13.5 million, and then Florida decided to renege on the deal. Or it's not Florida that reneged on the deal. It's the collective, the Gators Collective, which is not affiliated with the uh, athletic department at the University of Florida. And now Rashada is a, an Arizona State Sun Devil where his father played and apparently isn't getting any money to go over there. So this has been an interesting thing. The thing I wanted to focus on here, and I didn't necessarily believe that it was a $13.5 million contract, but it was. It was. Um, Staples got the actual contract. They had a chance to look over it. And he was... He had signed a deal for four years worth $13.5 million. Uh, it would have uh, called for a $500,000 upfront payment. And then as a freshman, he would have made a quarter of a million dollars a month, would have been bumped up to near $292,000 a month as a sophomore. And then as a junior, $375,000 a month. And if he would have still been around as a senior, it would have been $196,000 a month. So in no month would he have made any less than $196,000. I think the idea would be that he wouldn't have been there as a senior because that's the lowest payment. But that's amazing. And all it would have taken, all it would have taken for him to live up to the contract is that A, he lives in Gainesville or at least has a residence in Gainesville. B, at least made one Twitter post and one Instagram post that were branded, uh, including his collective, one of those posts per month. So 12 a year, 24 social media posts. That's it per year. Up to eight fan engagement events. So kind of a social media engagement, autograph signing, video conference, interviews, nothing to last longer than two hours. 
and would have had to sign. And man, you can only imagine the effort that this would have taken. 15 pieces of merchandise per year. That's mm. it. This is, I mean, it's, it's a no-show job, kind of what it looks like. It's just, well, it's like you sign, your, here, sign your game jersey after the game. Yeah, it'd be special stuff like that, yeah. But he didn't get any of this because the collective reneged on it. Uh, it's just these are eye-popping numbers because when you put it all together, and I hadn't thought about this until I read in the column, there was one quarterback that was selected in the NFL's first round in the draft last year. Pitts Kenny Pickett went to the Steelers where he signed a four-year deal for $14 million. This is a four-year deal worth $13.5 million for a high school senior that had never taken a snap in college. And even there were some, there were some folks who wondered whether or not he would have been able to perform it at the level uh, that the Gators you know, need to, to be, you know, if he really was an SEC caliber quarterback. I know there were other schools that offered him. Staples did refer to a couple of schools that pulled the scholarship deal after they realized what he was demanding. He did take a visit to Arkansas. I wouldn't be surprised if that would have been pulled at that moment, too, by Sam Pittman or, you know, some other coaches as well. It's just this is an eye-popping number to think that, and it's like, what are you worth? You're worth whatever the market says you're worth. And we have this new market over the last couple of years where it's legal to have this sort of deal. Nothing's under the table. $13.5 million. Hasn't played a snap yet. Not taken a snap and to be making almost the same amount of money as the most sought after quarterback in last year's NFL draft. These things do not, they do not compute, Matt. A lot of money out there. Uh, that makes me think that if you're a starting quarterback in the SEC, you're getting seven figures. I, I yeah, don't see at the, least. Yeah, there's no doubt you are. So because to, to, to my point, Phil, to and, and to your point as well, if you were to say who's going to get, who would you pay more money if, if you're looking at the four SEC, fourteen SEC teams, KJ Jefferson or Jaden Rashada? KJ Jefferson, you're, he's proven he he's done it before, so you know he's getting he's going to get that type of money, and it, it, it does it makes me think those reports about that kid from North Carolina are true that, that, that they were offered four million a year for him to come play. Absolutely, he was. I mean that we see it's a, it's a quarterback league. You got to have quarterbacks to win. It's just weird, Phil. I think when it's 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 there's it's not pro- the, it, it's people that haven't proven themselves at that level, and then you give them a lot of money, and then I guess that's kind of why. Uh, you, then somebody else who's not making as much money is actually outperforming him. You, and you get a little bit of that ego and a little bit of kind of disgruntled locker rooms, I think. Right. That's, that's what happened at A&M. Mm-hmm. So why, is he, you, why is he getting this money? I'm bettering him. Yeah. Yeah. And this dude's not even playing and he's getting a quarter million dollars. It's a not month, about right? family. It's not about team. And it's all me, me, me now. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not as much about, hey, man, let's go do this for my brothers. It's just all like, hey, let, let me see how high I can wear my socks. So 200... <laughs> So 200, I wear mine pretty low. <laughs> a quarter million dollars a month equals $3 million a year. That's his freshman. That would have been his freshman year. $3 million probably to not even play very much. Um, K.J. Jefferson, and I have no idea what it is that K.J. makes on NIL. But if, if the Gator Collective would have been willing to, and apparently when it came down to it, they, not, they were not willing to put this money out there. First, they were willing and that allowed the contract to be signed, and then they reneged on it. I guess there was some language in the contract that said they could terminate the deal under any cir- circumstances on their own calling, so they did. 
And Rashida ends up, you know, being released out of his NLI. But if, the, if he would have been worth, in the Gator Collective's eye, $3 million to maybe play, probably not play, what the heck is K.J. Jefferson worth to the Razorbacks and to the Hunt Collective, you know, this uh, AAA mm-hmm. that, that is uh, the collective for Arkansas? I mean, I can, K.J.'s worth, if, he's if, a if mil. this kid would have been worth $3 million, K.J.'s worth $5 million. He's, he's, he's more, that's what I'm saying. He's, he's make, it's, and, and so that being said, K.J., when, when, when you're looking at numbers like that, it might be beneficial. That might be one that, when, when we look at it 10 years down the road, it might be better because they're going to get more reps and you're going to be better prepared to go to that next level and, and be an NFL quarterback. And, and so you're just getting, what are you getting, like 400 more plays, 600 more plays a season? You know, like you're getting you're getting all those, you know, if it's 60 plays a game, 10 games, you know, you're getting 700 plays a uh, a season. So those are just reps you're getting to, to, to improve yourself for the next level. So, I mean, we're talking about KJ. We're talking about Drake May at North Carolina. These are quarterbacks who have already proven they're good college quarterbacks. Maybe they're not like stars in the NFL or anything like that, but they're good college quarterbacks. So you have a sense of what you will get from them, and then you can have a sense of what they're worth in the marketplace of NIL. For a high schooler, you know, and nothing is, nothing is certain with a high schooler. Like, we all expect Arch Manning is going to be a star at Texas in a couple of years. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Based on the lineage, he will, but who knows? It's, it, I mean, it really is a crapshoot, I think, when it comes down to it. Because, uh, you know, for every Trevor Lawrence, there's a Tate Martell. You know, the, well, the, the, for every success story, there's another story of somebody that just wasn't as good as advertised. They, they were doing the Baker Makefield draft, and they were talking about the top six quarterbacks in his draft, and he's just not that long ago. And I think four of them are already out of the league. You know, so it's it's a hard man. It's it's a uh, Josh Rosen and and Sam Darnold. Those those were the two guys, Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. We all know these. Those are the guys who are we taking? Who are we taking? None of those guys are really playing anymore. That's that's just a handful of years ago, man. It's it's hard work, man. There's there's not 32 NFL quarterbacks out there. There's just not. And so when you find one, they change the course of your franchise. And I think hopefully that that'd be something beneficial to the to the NFL game is these college kids staying and getting extra reps, getting an extra year, and being better prepared for the next level. It was Ark Bob who I think entertains himself through his own text to us. Thinks we're uh, going off the road on KJ. All, I'm not saying KJ is worth $5 million. I'm saying if this kid in the Gator Collective's eye, Rashada, was worth $3 million as a freshman to not even play, probably, I'm asking what is KJ Jefferson worth? I don't know. I don't know what a college quarterback is worth in financial terms because nothing is, uh, you know, we, we know what the NFL quarterbacks make. These contracts become public and you end up finding out what everybody is making on an annual basis. So then the market is set. In college, this stuff does not become public very often. So I don't know. I know KJ's making something. Everybody knows that. I would guess he's making something north of seven figures. Absolutely. But if Jaden Rashada to this group that apparently had, you know, didn't have the $13 million and they still signed him to it, and then they were like, you know what? Maybe he's not worth paying this money to, so let's renege on the deal. If initially they thought that this kid is worth $3 million, my question then is, so what is what is Bryce Young worth from last year? What is, you know, what is KJ Jefferson worth right now as the pillar of this of this team moving forward for the next calendar year? He's got to be worth more than 3 million in that case because without him you don't have much of a team. See, I wonder too when you when you start putting in bonuses with it where where because 
each time you win your six games and you get to you get to go play a bowl game, that's more money for the university. Uh, and you and the coaches do it. Coaches have those bonuses in their contract. So uh, I, I wonder too how much it can be worth. But yeah, the way it is, KJ's a million dollar guy. Uh, same same with Nick Smith. You know he's getting a million, a plus a million, seven figures to to be up there, and and that's uh that's just the new norm. It's just it's kind of t- it's I don't know if, it, if if I'm used to it yet or if we're all kind of used to it. I feel I don't know if you are, but it's just you kind of you kind of got to get used to it. Ah, but KJ's played, and Nick Smith is not playing. I still kind of wonder if he's going to. But your point is very well taken. This is the world that college sports lives in. And I am not an alarmist about this that says that this whole enterprise is about to collapse upon its own weight. That's not what's going to happen here. If you think there's not enough money in college sports, well, these collectives have sprouted up, you know, organically in a lot of cases over the last calendar year. They're full of money. And the networks just keep pouring more dollars, dollar after dollar, you know, more worth more on an annual basis every single year for college football. So they don't apparently seem to think that the enterprise is about to collapse upon its own uh, uh, itself with because of its own weight. So it's not going to happen. The sky is not falling in college sports. It's just the sky is changing and turning into a different color. And we don't know what's going to start coming out of the sky, whether it's cats and dogs or rain or snow. But the, sp- the, 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 the enterprise is not going anywhere. It's just changing. And it's changing in ways that... Uh, I think are a little bit difficult to understand. At Moving time. fast, That's yeah. It's in, in the crypto, I can run. Yeah, it's the crypto might be falling out of the sky, but yeah, it's 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 moving fast. Introducing your choice Tuesday at Buffalo Wild Wings. Buy one, get one 50% off on our traditional wings on Tuesdays. Then the best thing about Thursday at Buffalo Wild Wings is buy one, get one free on our boneless wings. Both offers are now available for dining and carryout. Some exclusions apply. Visit your Buffalo Wild Wings in Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, Fort Smith, and in Jonesboro. Buffalo Wild Wings. Get by Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith today and pick up a bottle of the delicious 291 Colorado Bourbon and Rye. Also available, high noon tailgate packs are in stock, so swing by 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith for all your game day needs at Eastside Liquor. Now, back to the podcast. Our good friend Connor O'Gara joining us from Saturday Down South after a little weekend jaunt to lovely Savannah, Georgia. I love Savannah, Connor. I was a little nervous you might stay there after visiting with your uh, your wife, but I'm glad to see you're back home. How you doing? Doing well. You know, it was really nice. And as somebody who has lived in Orlando, just a, a quick four-hour drive away from Savannah, I, it was a place that we've been wanting to go to for a long time. But, yeah, I mean, really, really enjoyed it. Jealous that people get to go there on a yearly basis. Cool city, great food. I think I gained 12 pounds. I'm very much in off-season mode right now when it comes to that. So, yeah, it was nice to be able to get away for a little bit. That's a, Have you been to Jekyll Island down there, that golf club? I'm trying to think, is that even close to Savannah right there? Are you a golfer? You know, I haven't, and it, I, I know that I'm going to lose some points by, by saying this. I haven't gone on any sort of golfing trip like that. I know Hilton Head is kind of... Yeah, South Carolina, right there. Area. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I need to though. I, I I didn't seek out any golfing opportunities, but you know, I know the golfing in that area is supposed to be fantastic. Yeah, you either you either want to or not. But there's the the food though was just absolutely amazing. What's the best thing you ate? So Mrs. Wilkes is like 
world-renowned. I mean, I had the best fried chicken of my life. Best fried chicken, no questions asked. I had the best cornbread I've had in my entire life, also at Mrs. Wilkes. Like, family style, for anybody that's, that's been there before, the way that they, they put, like, 20 different foods on a table. You sit there with, like, eight other people, and you just pass it around. And mm. it's all cash, like, you pay at the end. It is unbelievable Southern dining at its finest. That was the best. Had some of the best, probably some of the best cornbread I've ever had as well, best biscuits. Um, it, it was fantastic. Had a, a crab cake Benedict yesterday morning for, for brunch. I, I I was unbelievable. Making me hungry. Yeah. Oh, crab cake God, Benedict like, sounds good, but Benedicts are really, I don't like Benedict, man. He's mean to me. He makes me run to a room that I don't need to get to right now, but... <laughs> The crab cake aspect of it is uh, is is definitely top notch. So you say you're an off season form, Connor. When do you need to begin working out again to where you're in tip top shape for the start of talking season in the summertime? Okay, that, I, I should rephrase that. I should rephrase that. I am currently training for a 10k, um, <laughs> which look, I realize that I've done half marathon before, so I've you know I've I've, I've reached that level, but. I've kind of had a few moments before the baby comes of realizing I'd like to be able to do some athletic things before that I know goes totally on the back burner. But I meant I'm more so in off-season mode when it comes to eating, not really dieting a whole lot. Um, after this weekend, I feel like I need to, might need to just get back into shape for like a month in terms of, you know, the food stuff before this race. And, you know, hopefully we get some we get some good results and I can run similar to like what I was doing ten years ago when I was doing this much more competitively. Yeah, well running running like seven miles ought to build your appetite up to where you can just eat out just about anything anyway. So I think you're I think you're doing just fine. So Alabama's got their coordinators now. Kevin the room the rumor it's not the rumors. Apparently they're gonna be hiring Kevin Steele. Um, he was a veteran of not just Alabama but a whole lot of other places where he's had success as a DC. And Tommy Rees from Notre Dame is an interesting choice of offensive coordinator because when you look at the last few coordinators that have run the Alabama offense, uh, they've all been head coaches somewhere else before, and I guess Rees is kind of on that path. What did you think of that hire first, Tommy Rees, for Alabama? Yeah, uh, very surprising. Very surprising. Both hires, in my opinion, were underwhelming. Not that that really makes or breaks whether or not they're going to be successful, but they were definitely underwhelming. And I think it's kind of telling where these jobs are at this point. But Tommy Reese is somebody who Brian Kelly wanted to follow him to LSU. And instead, Tommy Reese stays at Notre Dame. He gets total autonomy on that side of the ball. He spends a year as the primary play caller. And there were a lot of Notre Dame fans who did not hate seeing him go. And that's telling of a guy who was just at his alma mater, who's 30 years old. And Nick Saban obviously saw enough in him to, to want to extend that offer. And the hope is that he's going to kind of get them back to a little bit more of the, the ground and pound smash mouth football that we've seen in the past. Obviously there's, they're not going to all of a sudden abandon their offensive identity. They're still going to have those spread principles, but the weird hire, just a very atypical hire for the way that Saban is usually gone with coach that's had NFL experience. He's been much older. I mean, he's what, 23 years younger than Bill O'Brien or something like that. I mean, 26 years younger, something like that. So like, this is a different direction to see Saban go with that. And then to go with Kevin Steele, somebody who's going to be 65 next month. And that's not what Alabama fans were expecting. I think they're hoping that they could get the Jeremy Pruitt thing figured out or maybe Charlie strong, but instead of ending up with like Cliff Kingsbury and Charlie strong, 
Alabama ends up with Tommy Reese and and Kevin Steele, and I, I don't think that was the expectation by any means. Safe enough. I mean, Steele Steele did well at at, at Auburn, right? I mean, he was he was successful there. I mean, he's got the track record. Um, but I guess there were just other there were other hires that were not hires. There were other candidates that they might have interviewed and 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 maybe offered the job to that that said no. You know, talking about Jeremy Pruitt couldn't figure that out. Todd Grantham signs with the Saints. So is this the thought that Steele might have just been like a third or fourth choice, and that might you know not be sexy? Yeah, I think so. And, and look, I mean, you could. If you if you want to spin the Kevin Steele narrative positively, you can. I mean, the guy had four consecutive top twenty defenses from twenty sixteen to twenty nineteen. He's the highest paid assistant in college football when he got this three year extension at Auburn in January of twenty twenty. It wasn't that long ago that we were talking about Kevin Steele as one of the most respected assistants in this sport. But the problem is that he's had kind of three years of not necessarily meeting expectations. 2020, that Auburn defense was a letdown. And then 2021, he kind of has this off year after this coup that he apparently was at the root of to try and get the head coaching gig at Auburn. That doesn't work out. And he ends up being the interim coach for, for Tennessee for like a month. And then he ends up being the D.C. at Miami last year. Miami was very underwhelming. I mean, they were 5-7, and seven, not entirely because of steel. Their offense was atrocious, but... I think everybody that looked at this and said, well, all right, this is a big time opening. You need to be saving top defensive assistant. We've seen Kirby Smart, Jeremy Pruitt. We've seen some very respected minds take this job and then end up with somebody who's in their mid-60s who's probably not going to move the needle from a recruiting standpoint. I think Alabama fans are kind of feeling like, oh, really? Like That's that's as good as, as Nick Saban could do. Like you, Anybody felt like they could have had Kevin Steele at some point in the last couple of years. So I think that's kind of where that stems from. Hmm. Fair enough. Um, do you see this story in the Athletic about uh, Jaden Rashada's contract at the Gator Collective, which obviously is not making that money? It was just a little bit jarring to look at those dollar figures, and i i didn't i didn't be, i did not believe or didn't want to believe that a high schooler had signed a contract that was worth thirteen and a half million dollars over four years. But Connor, it's like like they got the contract, so this was a thing. This was a real thing. Like so Kenny, I was Pickett, talking- Kenny Pickett's contract was worth $14 million for four years as a first-round NFL pick. These things don't compute. Yeah, so I was talking to Edgar Thompson of the Orlando Sentinel about this a couple of weeks ago, and he's been all over this from the jump and all over those figures, which, again, those figures, we need to understand. Like, yes, we hear, when we hear that money, we think that when you're signing on the dotted line, like that's just the money that you're getting. And obviously in this day and age, you're a blue-chip recruit, are you staying for four years at a specific place? I mean, you have to hit all of these expectations from you know media obligations, all, all those things. Like These get thrown out there to, to inflate. But at the same time, Edward Thompson, when he throws out this number because he had the information on good authority that that's what it was, that was in the $13 million range, it's like the most telling thing to me was I didn't get any call from Florida saying that that number was wrong. And that let him know it was right. And when you get that, you know, okay, there was there was more here than probably what the average person wanted to think. And this all fell through, and it looks horrible on Florida. It does. It looks really bad. And they got this kid, DJ Lagway, who's going to be their 2024 guy. He's like the number two quarterback recruit in the country. And the hope is that another deal doesn't fall through 
obviously if boosters, you know, pull out and, you know, there's some issues there with Gator Collective, then that's one thing. But, man, it's just a bad look. It, it was probably inevitable that it was going to happen in such a high-profile way in the NIL era with a quarterback. But, man, it, just, it, it felt like a, sci- a story that didn't really have any good sides to it, and everybody just kind of came out looking bad. Are there any of these guys out there? Like, they made me wonder what KJ's worth. Obviously, it's seven figures. Uh, are there any guys out there that then they play a little bit because he hadn't even proven himself? He hadn't taken a single snap in, in Power Five football and getting that type of money. So, so guys like KJ and and other guys that are other starters, are, how much money are they actually getting? I mean, I mean, if we're hearing this and seeing this, and like you said, nobody's refuting it. That uh, I think there's a lot more money out there than we think of. You know, Trey Knox, I think, was getting six figures to. Play play tight end uh so so i mean if you're just looking at one tight end right there getting six figures man there's a lot of money out there yeah i mean trey knox was getting that pet smart money so you know those pockets are those pockets are deep. <laughs> well, all over that. you see a lot of them getting the huggies money too yeah you know i saw that with rocket sanders um yeah i mean these opportunities are there spencer rather was getting i think last year he made 1.5 million that was the number that i had heard from somebody that had that on pretty good authority at South Carolina and Spencer Rattler for like, the majority of the year felt underwhelming for the first two months of the, of the season. But the way that guys and guys like KJ benefit from this is you get eight months to be the man in college football. I mean, it's not really performance pace and it's not like you're all of a sudden doing a ton of these opportunities in season. You're doing some of them, but not like, you know, it's all about your value in the off season. And then what you do, you know, post maybe pre NFL draft that that allows you to kind of capitalize on that. So yeah, I, I would expect plenty of SEC quarterbacks, even with kind of a changing of the guard at the position, are going to be in that million dollar range. Like that's that's just the new reality that we're living. Are we going to get to a point where I mean, a lot of people think that that this is the beginning of the end of college sports, and I don't even really know what they mean when they say that. It's just the current the current system which wasn't the same system as 12 months ago, is probably not going to be the same system in another 12 months. It's just the sport is changing. The money, there's money there, though. That's the thing. People act like there's not enough money to sustain players being paid this much, whether it ends up being paid by a school or whether it's paid by collectives or sponsors. Like The way I look at it here, Connor, is there were enough donations from you know small donations or large donations made to collectives to sustain them for right now and they keep growing there is enough money from major networks to continue to pour larger dollar figures into the next contract and so on and so forth the money is there so i don't necessarily see where where the sky is falling for college sports it's just it's just and some people say it leads to less parity. And I also kind of wonder, it's like, where's the parity been to begin with anyway? Yeah, I mean, the rich are going to continue to get richer. I, I agree with you. And, and there's there's going to be market correction with this to a certain extent, you know, of people that felt like, ah, I didn't really get the return on investment that I was looking for. But we're not dealing with people who are working typical nine to fives, you know, making their you know, $50,000 a year who don't feel like, you know, this is like the climbing ticket prices, you know, that we talk about declining attendance in college football. It's a little bit different because we're dealing with people who are donating to this, who have that money as disposable income. And if the market continues to dictate that these opportunities are going to be there, that's not going anywhere. And we're, the way this is changing now with the TV contract that's going to kick in in the latter half of the decade and the way that this is 
guards, the like the expanded playoff, is that these athletic directors don't have to go to their boosters saying, "Hey, cover this, this, this." They've got TV money the country to to cover up for all these new facilities and all these upgrades that they can do, and that's really the benefit of that. And then these boosters and these collectives can focus on paying those those who are in need of these NIL deals. And you know what? That's that's just that's reality in college football in the twenty twenties and. I think if you're expecting the sky to fall, I think you're just looking at this all wrong. The sport is changing rapidly, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's falling apart at this point. Connor, I do want to ask you a Super Bowl question. Uh, who do you got and why? I'm, I'm going Kansas City by 11. Oh, oh, by 11. Oh, that's a lot, man. That's a lot. Um, and, you know, I'm going KC as well. I'll go KC by like three, though. I think I think it ends up being a close game. I I find myself rooting for Jalen Hurts just because mm-hmm. I love the story, mm-hmm. love the mindset. But yeah, no, I, I'd go KC. You can't bet against Mahomes this stage, like especially if he gets a couple weeks get his ankle healthy. I think the the, the winners are going to be the Kelseys, though. That that I know. That's pretty cool, good. right? Yeah. Heartbroken is the same time. It's like, you know, I heard somebody be like, well, the parents are going to be happy either way. Well, either way, they're going to feel bad for the son who lost. They, they I mean, both already got one. Yeah. So that's glass half empty. No, you need to have glass half full. They already got the one. Like, yeah, like you said, Matt, they already got one. They're good. Just the one's going to win, and that's all that matters. I see. I, I look at it too in the NFC. I just don't think as good as the AFC, and, and that be. But Philly's great. I mean, they they they're a good team. But you look at they played the Giants, who had no business being in the playoffs, and then they played San Francisco with a four string quarterback. So you look about look at it. They hadn't played anybody in two months. I mean, they they kind of limped into the finish line, and then and, and I know their playoff games. You got to play who's who's around you, who's who's on the schedule. But I, Kansas City, man, they've 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 still been fighting and going. I, I just think they might have. And Andy Reid's going to want to put it to Philadelphia. No, I, I I can't I can't disagree with any of that. And then I I feel you feel dumb anytime you bet against Mahomes. And he's probably going to make a whole lot of people feel dumb. I just find myself always rooting for a close game in these circumstances. Just don't give us another sixty-five to seven type in the national championship. Hey, Connor, we're like less than a month away from spring football and really beginning. Give me a couple of storylines that you're interested to follow when spring ball does start. Bama's quarterback battle, Georgia's quarterback battle, are fascinating just because. Could start off as top three, top four teams. Georgia obviously trying to become the first team to three-peat 1936 Minnesota. Who could forget? Um, I, I think those are, are fascinating for me. How about Hugh Freeze taking over at Auburn at a place that is just so desperate for relevance right now? That I think him kind of having a quiet offseason and Auburn feeling like they're actually building something. Will they go out and get a QB from the portal? Will they develop Robbie Ashford, try and turn him into the next Malik Willis? Under Hugh Freeze is fascinating. Um, I, I think there's a lot of a lot of things like that. And then, you know, what does it look like for all these teams with new coordinators? You know, there's potentially 11 of 14 SEC quarterbacks are going to have new offensive play callers. Obviously, one in Arkansas as well, working out with Dan Enos. I, I think that there are a lot of different storylines to look at, and uh, maybe maybe we're going to have some more transfer portal movement. I'll be I'll be glued to the ground trying to figure out what exactly to make of these teams post spring. But yeah, a month away can't come soon enough.
You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.